And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We note that this promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part to the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it because those that trust that they are able to be students of Jesus Christ, but they ignore the person whom God has sent to teach them, they are disciples of devil and not God. God does not need such students that would obey him directly without his delegated ones. God specifically through his son had spoken. As the Lord has sent me, I send you who you forgive sins to or for will be forgiven those that are retained will be retained the ones who receiving receive you will receive me those who reject you reject me and so Apostle Paul said all of the promises are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us not a single promise can a person uh, actualize in his life without being obedient or acknowledging that person whom God has sent. And so we need to remember that such a person, that a person maybe that has been elected or voted for is not a person that is sent by God. They say that the voice of the nation is the voice of God. This is not true because if that were the case, then the nation had crucified Christ and they were shouting to crucify him. And so where did you get the idea that the voice of the nation is the voice of God? The voice of the nation can never be the voice of God or anything like it. As soon as you begin to think this way, you immediately fall away from God. How is it that the head begins to obey that, for example, the liver or the heart, other organ or other part of the member of the body begins to dictate to it. This just doesn't happen. This is absurd and the body of Christ, the body of Christ needs to obey the head. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets where we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. The seed of Abraham is not those that are in the flesh or genetically that have been born, say, in Israel. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is information that comes from God. And so when you read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, in the original there is the word logos in the format of a thought. A thought is not just a thought, but an informational program. In the beginning, there was a thought that had in itself an informational program. And this thought, this informational program was with God. And this thought containing this informational program identified God himself. 
And as this thought then resounded in word, everything became that became, and without this word, nothing became that became. And so our faith is obedience to this information that we hear in the preached word. When we read, when we just read but don't listen, then we won't understand anything because faith comes not from what you read but what you hear. Faith is from hearing the word of God, to hear and obey the word of God. Hearing is not just hearing, again, hearing and doing the work. And so the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated one. Not by personal dreams or specific maybe interpretations or understandings of your own, but what a God will give to a specific individual that he has placed to tend his flocks. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace, presented in the inheritance of peace, is called to abide and be within the heart of a man, and is evidence of the fact of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace, abiding within the covenant of peace, is actually the treasury of all of the hope that we have in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. The achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. Righteousness is, again, obedience uh, and acknowledgement of the person whom God has sent, the person that explains how to do God's will. And so it is the righteousness of faith by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, with thanksgiving, that upon our account in Jesus Christ, all of the promises are placed, are put. And when it says upon our account in Jesus Christ, that is upon the uh, tablets of our heart, they are the treasury of God, the good soil. And so when we open our desires with God, with thanksgiving, that is in accordance, of course, to God's will, the faith of God does what? It keeps our thoughts and our hearts. It guards them in Jesus Christ. The peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death. What we think with our mind is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. It comes from the good soil of the heart, from the cleansed heart where the commandments and the laws of God are placed. These thoughts are spiritual. They are life and peace for us. But to be carnally minded is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. We live not as we think, but as the thoughts that we have chosen to have in the mind of Christ. And so as your thoughts you are, as your heart is, is who you are, that's where our life is. Some philosophers say that all of the speech of a man, that when he speaks, he conceals what he, he uh, when he speaks, he conceals what he thinks, so no one really knows who he is. And so people rarely say what they think. They say when you when you have a drink, then the tongue becomes unwound and is able to say a lot more than he usually would. And so when he thinks one thing, says another, does a third thing, then there's absolutely no consistency or truth there. Children of God who live in the light, what they think, that is what they say, and what they say, that is what they do. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word about the power of the Holy Spirit who re that renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and not, are not able to have it or will be able to have it. 
and consequently such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace by the means of the peace of God they will, uh, they will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven and so these people who do not have a part will not inherit but those who do have a part in the peace of God or with the peace of God will inherit this eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven we need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with a renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ relevant to this we stop to look at the fourth question by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace and are the sons of God because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. It is not possible to perform peace if you don't have peace in your heart. If you don't have peace with God, but anger, hate in your heart, how can you perform peace? We have noted that if a person has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within our righteousness the fruits of peace which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of the peace, in which they are able to be called the sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 A crown is the seal of God upon the forehead. If we think about the things of the hills or the ancient mountains, then absolutely the seal of God will be given to you. The crown of glory will be given to you. But if you don't meditate about righteousness, but meditate about things you like, then the seal of the beast will be there. And so again, this is, uh, again, a mark. It's not just a seal, it's a mark that is placed upon you, as in the original says. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign by which we need to determine that we are part of the sons of peace is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. This is so far away from the understandings of the world, of what the world calls love. They say you need to practice love. Well, it's not possible to practice it because love requires complete submission of yourself and acknowledgement of that and complete submission and that needs to happen according to scripture because everything they call love is something you can do without true love and you could do with whomever and however and that includes animals and anyone else this is not love this is absolutely not love and does not have any part uh, to what is true love. Those who love one another, a husband and a wife, is one of the demonstrations of love, one of the demonstrations of love. It can be a demonstration of love, but it also cannot be a demonstration of love if there's just intimate relations, but there's an absence of love there. And so the selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unearthly qualities by the preached word of the apostles and prophets, we are called to demonstrate in our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. <clears throat> From the seven qualities that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of his selective love toward men, we have already looked at five qualities and stopped to look at the sixth one, and this is brotherly kindness. 
From this we note that the main purpose of the selective love of God, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in brotherly love and brotherly kindness, gives us the proper foundation and ability to pass from the state of death into the state of eternal life. The purpose of the selective love of God, which are called to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love, gives us the proper foundation to pass from death to life. And so when you're born from God, this is a guarantee. This is a credit that you're given. And when you don't pass from the state of death into the state of life, then the credit will be taken away and it will be as a waste. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that a no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because we lay down his, he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3:14 through 18. Love is deeds, not emotions. Love is deeds that lead your emotions. An emotion can refuse. Your feelings can refuse to follow. Well, you say this person is not attractive to me or I have some kind of rejection to them. I have an, an acceptance to them. How can I love them? I say, do good work to this person. When you do good work toward this person, then your emotions will understand that you are the boss, that you are in charge, and that you, they will do what you tell them if you subject your emotions to your will, your decision. I've experienced this for myself also, and this was uh, actually fairly simple. You make the decision, is this my brother or sister? Yes, that is enough. And the next is, what can I do that would be good for this person? What good can I do? And before I do good toward this person, I always pray. When I go or meet someone with an, for, uh, for an appointment, I always pray, say, Lord, allow me to uh, access the heart of this person or reach their heart. Not all are able to always express their true need. And they, ask, they want to ask one question, they ask a different question. And so I pray, Lord, allow me to understand their need that they're coming with because I have compassion toward that person coming. And there's, of course, an emotional compassion because emotions are following. They begin to feel compassion and respect. And when this happens and I meet with this person, this individual, this person senses love. It is opened up. It's as a flower that when the sun rises, it opens up. And so true uh, flowers will be able to open themselves up. But when you think you're a light and someone is, you like someone, don't like someone, and you form specific groups, say in the church, in all churches, uh, these groups exist. A privileged group or a special uh, friendships, a group, uh, groups of friends, and they don't invite or welcome others into it. And this all needs to be completely eliminated and we need to understand you need to lead your emotions and love is fulfillment of God's command God says keep my commandments if you love me and so people say well look into my heart see my emotion how much I feel for you but God says if you love me keep my commandments I don't need to see the emotion that you have for me And as uh, if you remember in the situation of Peter that uh, Jesus had told him you would be a fisher of men. And so what ended up happening was uh, they were with Christ and as soon as Christ was crucified they went back to fishing, but back to their previous uh, work that they did. Uh, and Jesus had to put uh, that into perspective for Peter and kept asking him, do you love me? And he said, yes, I do, because he kept telling him, I feel love for you. But he says, take care of my sheep, do your role, do what I called you to do, keep my commandment. 
When a person is born from God, he is faced with a choice, either to enter the state of death and become dead to God and useless for any good work, or enter into the state of eternal life that until now he was not familiar with and became useful for all good work and demonstration and in the demonstration of his brotherly love. Every person that is born from God is put in the same situation that Adam was put in, in the Garden of Eden, to whom eternal life was offered in the form of the tree of life, and eternal death also in the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Being a person of the flesh, Adam was called to eat of the fruits of the tree of life, so that his carnal body would change into a heavenly body. Therefore, in order to eat of the fruits of the tree of life and change from being a carrier of life, in the flesh to a carrier of the light of life of a different form, it is necessary by the means of demonstrating brotherly love in your faith to pass from the state of death into the state of life that would be able to become an atmosphere for the fortress of God. And what is interesting, we are the ones who need to pass ourselves this <clears throat> from death to life. God gives us the opportunity when we begin to fulfill God's commandments fulfilling God's commandments will pass us from the state of death into the state of life. From the state of flesh to, uh, or a way of, of the flesh, a life in the flesh into a life of the spirit. The burning power of the love of God agape revealing itself in brotherly love is concealed in the commandments that are implemented by God. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, John 14, 15 through 17. Here, it's not talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about uh, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, consciously receiving him as your Lord and your master, where you give control, authority over yourself to your spirit that you will not do anything, you will not evangelize or to, to anyone or do any good work or help anyone, but only if it's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit to do this. And the Holy Spirit will only do this within the boundaries of Scripture. And when we begin to fulfill God's commandments, only then does the Holy Spirit have the ability to come. He knocks only upon that door that is cedar. Not justification in the form of a guarantee or but this justification in the format of something that is your own personal uh, thing, justification that you have already, not as a guarantee of it, but something you already have. If she would have been of cedar, we would have overlaid her uh, doors, we would have overlaid her with cedar and silver, but she is not yet able to yet be a bride, so we can't do this. They were showing the example. And the Holy Spirit will not, of course, betroth such people to Christ if they're not yet ready. Although they call themselves Christ and they live and sing that they live and are brides of, of singing these things, uh, it's not in their heart. They have a great melody, but that's it. The true bride or true brides, in their heart, there's a great desire that this happens sooner and the desire to do whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for it. That's what happens. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Keeping the commandments of the Lord is demonstrating in your faith the selective love of God in brotherly kindness, because the command commandments command us to love our brethren. And... That is upon the condition, of course, that these brethren are our neighbor, or in the form of our neighbor. The selective love of God and brotherly kindness provides God the right to move us from the state of death into, into the state of life, using our ability to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord and Master of life. It is the Holy Spirit who identifies the state and atmosphere of life, who becomes within our heart the spirit of comfort, the spirit of truth, and will be and abide with us forever. We will, he will never abandon us, and he will lead us to greet Jesus Christ. He will do something unusual before 
the meeting of our our meeting with Christ and will change us in the blink of an eye and we will be in this then heavenly body therefore the ability to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart is in the state of the Lord and master of your life only happens when you fulfill the commandments of Christ that regulate your relationship with God in your relationship with your neighbors for whom you are called to lay down your life so that you can provide God the right to pass or move you from death to life. Therefore, the goodness of God can be poured out exclusively into a heart that is cleansed from dead works in the love of God agape. And such a pour out of the love of God into our heart happens by the means of the thummim in the form of the commandments of Christ and the urim as the Holy Spirit revealing in our heart the essence of the truth contained in the commandments of Christ. Therefore the love of God agape by the means of the thummim and urim abiding within our heart reveals itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love that governs with its power over the emotional storms of our human feelings by the confessions of the faith of our heart that abides within our heart. Our mouth, our tongue is the, uh, is the one, in co- is the controller that uh, he is the one, he is the rider that controls that un- unrestrained horse that we need to control. Confessing the faith of the heart controls our feelings as a good rider controls his restrained horse. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also as ships altogether. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And so the small rudder is the tongue, our tongue that controls the whole ship, which is us. If we don't control it, if one that if our, again, our horse is not disciplined, not restrained, it will throw us off of itself. And as you know, in many situations, these horses also can throw someone off and this person, uh, it could be sometimes a fatal situation as well. To not stumble in word when demonstrating brotherly love is to speak about your brothers by faith, not basing what is spoken uh, by the sight of your eyes or hearing of your ears, but based on righteousness that is within the atmosphere of the commandments of God. If God forgives our brother or sister their sins, then we no longer spread about this person the things that they may have done. He was in sin, she was in sin, because there is no sin. And God has cast these sins into hell behind himself. And if if you uh, do continue to say things, if you spread information that is like this, God will not forgive you. So you need to be very careful. Well, when you say, do you know this person? And when a person comes to me and says this, I said, do you know that this person repented? Do you know that this person repented? And what you right now are saying is very dangerous. The one who inspired you to say this was the devil. He has captured the mind of one, passed this information on, and it's been continuing to pass on. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Here it's talking about one spirit. When it's listing all of these qualities, it is all the one spirit that it's referring to, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. This is all the Holy Spirit that it's talking about. And... When a person comes from the stem of Jesse, and when you come, this means when you're the, uh, when you have, if you have the word of God, then the Holy Spirit is there, and then you can be filled with the fear of the Lord, because this Holy Spirit then reveals things in your heart. And then you begin, as Jesus Christ in his time being in the body, not to judge by the sight of his eyes or hearing of his ears, he shall judge the righteous 
again, he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, decide, uh, decide by the hearing of his ears, but he shall with righteousness judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. According to his prophetic word, we conclude that one of the main reasons for brotherly kindness or brotherly love is to defend your brothers from slander spoken by the wicked and lawless, that until a specific time will remain amongst the saints, among the wheat as weeds until a specific time remain or are present among the growing wheat. Relevant to this, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. By what signs do we determine that a person is our brother for whom we are called to lay down our life so we can demonstrate in our faith brotherly love? What purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in our brotherly love for one another? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God in our brotherly love? And by what results do we examine ourselves that we have brotherly love for one another within the selective love of God? We will keep in mind that we are not talking about brothers by flesh and blood, but about brothers' love or brotherly love toward brothers that are amongst the saints. Hebrews 13.1, let brotherly love continue. We've noted that in the time of the law of Moses, as well as our time, which belongs to the law of grace, not all who call themselves brothers amongst the holy nation are, according to scripture, the seed of God, or are our brothers. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children, because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, those are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Romans 9, 6 through 8. The right to be called a brother for one another is something that includes all the saints in Christ, regardless of whether you are of the male or female gender. Because every time we are fertilized or inseminate ourselves with the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, we prepare the soil of our heart, then all of us, without exception, fulfill the function of a female. Which, Because we hear the word and we receive the seed of the word. That is, of course if we are a sister that is able to receive because there are those sisters not able to which is why the scriptures call all of us the daughter of Zion or the bride of the Lamb but every time we confess with our mouth the faith of God that we previously received and is now abiding within our heart then all of us without exception fulfill the function of a male due to the fact that scripture call all of us a perfect man that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ Jesus that is if we again confess the faith of our heart therefore the term brotherly love includes all of the saints independent from the status we may hold our age and independent of whether we are male or female as it is written, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 28, 29. The virtue that the scripture ascribe a brother in Christ is the virtue of a neighbor. When the scriptures speak of brotherly love, then it is referring to a love that we are called to demonstrate for our brother as our neighbor. Therefore, we needed to provide comprehensive identifications of who is able to be called and who is able to be our brother in Christ Jesus as our neighbor within our midst. But first, I want to remind us again of what God has done for us in order to lead us into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, which we are only in called to inherit by demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. Considering that brotherly love occupies its right and obtains its legal status and its legitimacy when we comprehend the fact that we are in the status of spiritual infancy that is attracted by various winds of doctrine, by cunning craftiness of deception of men, and we make the decision to leave this state of infancy. As the carnal Adam was drawn to death, carnal men include this includes the category of spiritual infants are drawn to death by various winds of doctrine and remain in the state of death. 
first to leave the state of infancy is to acknowledge over yourself the authority of one person that is cloaked into the responsibility of a father from God by the means of a revelation in your heart and refuse the expanse of the internet as well as other, other evangelical events that are not under the authority of this person. Second, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, leave and reject your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt desires of the soul that are cloaked into the garments of personal good works. Third, to leave the state of infancy, it is by being instructed in the faith, imprint upon the tablets of your heart that is cleansed from dead works the truth of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. Fourth, to leave the state of infancy is by being instructed in the faith, accept the Holy Spirit into your heart in the status of the Lord and Master of your life. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions in the purpose of brotherly love or brotherly kindness and stop to look at the, the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate within our faith the selective love of God and brotherly love? In the previous services, we already looked at two signs. First, in order to demonstrate virtue in brotherly kindness, it is necessary to reject lies, speak the truth one to the other because we are members of one body. Second, in order to, de to demonstrate brotherly kindness in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to devise evil against your brother, your neighbor, when he lives with you for safety. Third, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in the selective love of God agape, it is necessary not to violate the boundary or move the landmark of your neighbor, which their forefather has laid in their territory. Fourth, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in your faith in the holy love of God agape, it is necessary to hate all the wicked who perform lawlessness. Fifth, in order to demonstrate brotherly kindness in your faith in the love of God agape, it is necessary to not cheat or rob your neighbor that is hired by you and his wages should not remain with you until morning. Sixth, in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in brotherly kindness, it is necessary to forget what is behind us and reach forward to the goal ahead, the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, and press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 13, 14. Forget what is behind us means forget the bitterness of falling and in victories not relying upon previous good works as soon as we being in, uh, begin to trust upon previous good works and pride ourselves with previous acts of faith we immediately lose our position as a Nazarite and our dedication to God that is consisted in the seven braids that were braided upon our head then she Delilah lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from the sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with the bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. Judges 16:19 19-21. <clears throat> All that we can hope upon striving for the goal that consists in our upward call of God in Jesus Christ is upon the mercy of God, which, contained, which is contained in the treasury of our hope consisting of the precious promises of God that are placed upon our account in Christ Jesus within our heart. <clears throat> and all of this needs to be in our heart upon the condition that we keep our dedication to God as a Nazarite that is presented, presented in the seven braids upon our head, identifying a covering of glory and beauty that is present upon, upon, our, upon our head, which signifies obedience to authority, the delegated priest of God, that person who is given authority of a father from God in the midst of our church, and all other authority within the boundaries of Scripture. If we do not, then again, are unfamiliar with the upward call of God of Jesus Christ, we will never be able to forget the bitterness that was against us or all of the things that we may have done or the good works we may have done. We need to look at what characteristics identify the reward 
of our inheritance. And in Scripture, we see three categories of the saved and three uh, different forms of reward. And we also see here in Scripture three forms of loss and uh, gain as well. And so these are the categories of the infants, of ma- uh, or infant as a male, that is a male, the category of the bride, or the woman that is born that has an infant, and the category uh, of those in the past that were born from the seed of the woman. And so again, the category of the infant that is a male is a symbol of uh, the 24 uh, elders that and the, tw- uh, and the four living creatures. The category of the, bra- of the woman that was born, and she had a child that was born to her, a woman that had a child born to her, a male child, is presented as the uh, 144,000 that were there in, uh, in the presence of God. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for we do not... We, if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so as entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Second Peter 1, 10, 11. In Hebrew, the word calling means rank, status, something that makes you unique, position, virtue, glory, power, and to be called. The upward call is the reward of our, of our inheritance. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good good work. Second Timothy 2, 19-21. I will remind us that if here on earth in the house of God, which is the church of saints, there are those specific vessels that are for the lower purposes used as for clay and others, in heaven these will not be present or existing. Such vessels will uh, go to hell. They are here temporarily. And so vessels for lower purposes is the category of the called that as in the time of harvest will mature in their lawlessness and wickedness and that when the time comes they will be plucked from the nation and so if we don't step away from unrighteousness which the people of the flesh constantly are are, uh, developing in then we will share with them their uh, terrible uh, their lot to step away from all unrighteousness is to turn back from, refuse uh, this lawlessness, return yourself to God, subject yourself to the word and God's delegated one, turn your face to God, to return what is holy to God, to bring your relationship in order, die for the corrupt desires of the soul, dedicate yourself to God, and to place yourself upon the altar of the Lord. According to this place of scripture, to step away from all unrighteousness is a nature of uh, testing of of the faith of the heart. And it also tests you for the works of righteousness. One of the conditions is that you forget the things of the past and look to the future, to the great call that is in Jesus Christ from God. Seventh, in order to demonstrate brotherly love in the selective love of God, we need to return to your neighbor, you need to return to your neighbor the clothing that was borrowed. If you ever take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. It is his garment for his skin. What will he sleep in? And if will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. Exodus 22, 26-27. At the time, in the Old Testament, the garments of a person <clears throat> uh, was not just uh, his clothing that he wore, but was also his covering. <clears throat> and 
the covering that he would wear over his garments was also used as his, uh, say, blanket that he slept, uh, slept uh, at the time when he slept he would use. And so this was very valuable and important for the people. If you remember at the time of the crucifixion of Christ, the warriors that were there at the time, the, the soldiers, they uh, cast lots for his clothing because they were so expensive, they were so important that they did not want to destroy it. And such clothing was uh, passed on as an inheritance. If you remember, uh, the prophet Elijah had only one uh, set of clothing, and Elisha had then inherited, and it was of camel's uh, hair, if you remember. Garments was given uh, as a loan to the neighbor if a brother uh, as our neighbor had uh, had taken something, uh, taken this clothes as a form of a guarantee for something else valuable he may have needed. And of course we see here a very symbolic, uh, uh, symbolic thing that we need to look at, uh, the details of. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come and the, not the very image of those things, Hebrews 10.1. And so when it's talking about the garments that were taken from our neighbor, these are not just a simple relationship between a brother and brother amongst the Church of Saints, but specifically when one of our neighbors is offending us in some way, then his garments, his justification becomes... Uh, ends up in our hands and to return his garments his justification to him is possible when we forgive uh, his off- the offenses he's done against us before the setting of the sun be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil Ephesians 4 26 27 in order to forgive the offenses done against us we need to forgive our brethren that are, are our neighbors. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Mark 11, 25, 26. And if the wicked and the lawless people that do not have the right to be called our neighbor uh, offend us, then we need to turn to God so that he protect us. Because... they have already lost a long time ago the garments of justification they had and so there's nothing to take or from them as to borrow beloved do not avenge yourself but rather give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord Romans 12 19 to forgive the wicked and lawless means not demonstrate holiness and take part in their lawlessness to identify who for us is our neighbor and who is not our neighbor is possible in seven characteristics of uh, disorder that they uh, or a person that is disorderly. We can determine our brother being disorderly by how he behaves with the person who has authority of a father from God who is our brother and represents the function of Christ as our neighbor. First, if we see that our brother behaves disorderly, he loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Helping and demonstrating love toward a brother that behaves disorderly, we lose our legitimate right to pass from death to life and will share in the reward that is prepared for every person that behaves disorderly. And furthermore, we need to distance ourselves from such a brother. You need to not forgive this person because there's nothing to forgive. He does not have justification. The garments of justification, because if he did have these garments of justification, he would not have behaved disorderly. But because they do, and so there's nothing to take. But you do, do need to protect yourself from him, and you need to ask God that he protect you from such disorderly people, individuals. Pray that God deliver you from these such people that are disorderly for not all have the faith. Second, if any brother denies justification by faith, which he received by the move, which we received by the moving of our sins from Christ upon the devil as the goat as a zell, he behaves rebelliously or disorderly and loses his right to be called and to be our neighbor. 
You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace, for he through the Spirit eagerly waits for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision circumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Galatians 5, 4 through through 10. And so the one that causes trouble amongst the nation of God, he says that this person needs to bear judgment. He does not forgive him, but actually condemns him. Third, if any brother rejects the commandments of tithes and offerings, claiming that they are part of the Old Testament, that they in reality were not, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. This is not one that you need to help because they have no hope in justification. And there's nothing to take. And so when they uh, do these things, then we need to pray as that God reward them according to their works. Third, if any brother rejects the commandments of tithes and offerings, claiming that they are part of the Old Testament again, he behaves disorderly and he loses his rights. Yet from the day of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me, I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house. And in order to bring them, you need to uh, reject this curse that the tithes are a, only an element of the Old Testament. You need to destroy this understanding because it's not true. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Will I not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive them and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruits for you in your field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3, 7 through 12. The fruits of, of the field are the fruits of justice. Fourth, if any brother denies the fact that we should not be consuming wine and other alcoholic beverages, then he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. This means when they legalize these things. This doesn't mean when a person is a slave of these things. A person who does not think it's sin and periodically allows himself to drink, uh, don't think that this is uh, in any way acceptable. If you do these things, and you know this is a sin, but you don't fight it, then these sins will be on you. But if you are struggling and you're still doing this, you know it's a sin, you don't legalize this, you're still a slave of this sin, then the time will come God will deliver you from it. Here it's talking about drunkards that have legalized sin. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, do not legalize it. Do not satisfy yourself with it because it controls all aspects of your life. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And here is what Moses said concerning uh, the priests. He was talking about the Levites. Leviticus 10, 8 through 11. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons, with you when you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a status, a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach your children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them in the land of Moses. 
If anyone or any brother rejects the order or structure of theocracy in which the body of Christ functions, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. The order of theocracy, the structure of theocracy, they say it's either dictatorship or something else when a pastor, of course, is voted for or elected or who calls himself that is not anointed uh, by someone who is God's apostle. So Jesus said to him again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I send you. When he says, Jesus said to them again, that's the second time he says to them. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they shall be forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they shall be retained. John 20, 21 through 23. And these are the people, those who forgive the sins, these are those that are placed as apostles of God. They, these are people who are delegated, and people that are delegated, they're able to do this. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Sixth, if any brother ascribes revelations to himself that do not belong to him and perverts them for the sake of his popularity and greed, he behaves disorderly and loses the right to be called and to be our neighbor. Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongue and say, he says. Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord, and tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet I did not send them or command them, Therefore, they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 29 through 32. Eighth, in order to demonstrate within your faith brotherly kindness, it is necessary to perceive your neighbor in the body of Christ as your own personal body because we depend one from the other till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and from and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking with the truth of love may grow upon in all things of him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4, 13 through 16. According to this place of scripture, we could see that to demonstrate within your faith brotherly love by the means of all uh, inner knit joint where every joint and knit supplies one to knit the other the effective working by which every part does its share is possible when we leave uh, we do not this is not considering those that are infants in Christ that are uh, tossed to and from by every wind of doctrine the nature of such deceivers are people that are leaders of the flesh that either are selected uh, by a vote or have placed themselves uh, in by receiving some sort of revelations and to examine and and to follow such uh, emissaries of mammon is to uh, be deceived or follow deception. They will, uh, these deceivers, what they do is they re, uh, steal revelations of God and ascribe them to themselves and their faults they will ascribe to God's anointed ones and cast shadows upon their reputations and their deceptions they will ascribe to the righteous ones and uh, pass on information of, of acts that were committed by this person that they did not commit. This person uh, will also inspire people to do good work that God has not called them to. And they will demonstrate rebuking of demons and all different miracles and signs. Uh, this is just to deceive the, uh, the, uh, the chosen. 
A chosen person will bear fruits of the Spirit, where a person uh, collaborates with the word, the truth of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. He erects within his body the stronghold of life, so that he can become a carrier of the heavenly body. The calling that the fleshly uh, leaders will uh, ascribe to these people and those who follow him will be evangelism. And they will call people to evangelize uh, when God did not call them to do this and will do, use different methods that God did not call them to use. We will never be able to have peace with our neighbor if our calling will continue to do good work uh, that comes from the flesh and evangelism that only apostles of Christ are supposed to actually do. Every one of us becomes a carrier of the gospel of the kingdom when we become a light for the world and not when we uh, fill ourselves with religious lusts that are concealed by different uh, works of, of deceivers. This is flesh of the lust of the eyes, the lust of life. People do this for personal popularity and other purposes, other reasons. We need to understand this and be very careful. And may the Lord bless us so that we can differentiate good and evil, that we differentiate a rebellious person in our midst from one that's not. I trust that God, with great deliverance, has delivered us from a large portion of the disorderly and rebellious people. And I trust that any that may remain will not have a foundation. They could be just weak men, but still can be our neighbor. So that we still need to forgive and uh, that we need to return their garments if they have offended us. Right now we will bend our knees and pray. And we will thank God for the word that we were able to hear today. And if in our heart we have any kind of offense, any kind of bitterness, anger against our brother or sister, then we a decision, we'll make a decision that we forgive this person so that he could forgive us as we forgive them. As I've said before, I avoided this in prayer. Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive men their trespasses. I avoided the, speaking this, this, these words. I prayed, but I owe uh, the prayer our Father, but I avoided this. And I was, surpri was surprised how people were praying these words. They themselves are cutting themselves away from salvation. They can't forgive as they want God to forgive them. And I thought I won in this way, but the Holy Spirit revealed to me, but uh, revealing to me that you're becoming worse than they because you're becoming arrogant uh, doing this. You need to forgive. But I say, Lord, how? I, people say, I want to, but it's not forgiving. It's, uh, forgiveness is not happening inside. As soon as I say it, as soon as I see this face, I become angry and upset, and I can't do it. And the Holy Spirit revealed the truth that forgiveness is the act of the mind and will. He said, yes, this is a battle to control, discipline your horse. And every time you need to say, Lord, I don't pay attention to my emotions. I have forgiven this person. And when you say this, then God, not only God will hear it, but your emotions will also hear it because then it becomes obedient to what you say. You say, Lord, I've forgiven this person. Lord, I have forgiven this person. And until your emotions will be cloaked into love for that person and that bitterness will leave you. Let us pray. May the Lord bless us. I, we wait for you here at the altar.
I'm going to be praying your prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He can and is ready right now to remove the burden of your sins, to free you from the dependence of sin, to free you from fears of illnesses, fears of poverty, fears of death, because He is for you. He can change His verdict when He sees your repentance believe in this deeply close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven this is a sign that your hands are lifted without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see my pain the wounds that are inflicted by sin you see that I am bound by sin I hate sin I hate my bitternesses that are in my heart right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that I forgive those who have offended me I use my will my intelligent abilities and I forgive those who have offended me Lord forgive me as I have forgiven them according to your word and right now before heaven and hell I receive my forgiveness and my justification before your face. May I be healed from all illnesses that have come upon me because of sin. May your mercy be on me and your truth. I love you. I wait for you. Amen. Your, may the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May all this come upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. May the Lord be blessed, our God and Father, our Lord in Jesus Christ, who has delivered us from all sin, from all fears, from all illnesses, and we can with thanksgiving thank Him with, for these things. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.